they say, oh, you know, how big could the market really be? You know, and when there's over 500,000 quinceaneras and 700,000 Hispanic weddings celebrated in the U.S. every year, that's a huge market. It's a multi-billion dollar opportunity that no one's paying attention to because the investors are just old white men. There's these opportunities that I guess the traditional investor and the quote unquote traditional entrepreneur just don't see. And there's pockets of these all over, not just in the Hispanic space, but it doesn't matter really who you are or where you come from. I'm sure there's a problem that you can create a solution for, but you just have to have the balls enough to go for it. All right, welcome to season two of Finding Your Venture. This first episode is called Being Different is Your Advantage. The story you're gonna hear is from Kim Gomez. She's the founder and CEO of Mi Padrino. And the reason that we're starting season two with this topic is because every startup founder I know at some point has felt like a misfit. Whether it's race or gender or sexual orientation, could be your age, could be any number of things, but every startup founder I know has felt like an outsider at some point, and I don't think it's a coincidence. The world as we know it was built by normal people, and so normal people don't see anything wrong with it. Being weird or different, it actually gives you an advantage in locating problems and imagining a future that's different but better. Being different doesn't make your journey easier. Actually, it's the opposite. It makes it harder. But when it comes to finding an opportunity that others are not seeing, being weird is actually an advantage. So let's start this episode by listening to Kim Gomez's backstory, how she came to identify this opportunity for Mi Padrino and start the business. My journey actually to entrepreneurship really started back, you know, I was in beauty school right out of high school. And I realized re really early in beauty school that I wanted to actually own my own salon one day instead of working for someone else. At the same time, my parents, while well, growing up, my parents owned a huge real estate firm. So at the same time I was in beauty school, I was actually taking my boards to be able to become a licensed um, realtor. Got my real estate license, then realized I could do that while doing hair. Went to business school, and that's where actually I met my husband. It was my husband, Ugo, born and raised in San Luis Potosi, Mexico. And you know we were young and foolish, fell in love, and his dream was actually always to open a restaurant. It was his family's dream. I had just gotten married to my husband, 20 years old, and my dad had just listed a restaurant in downtown Jackson. He had told my husband, you can always go back and finish school. He was actually in medical school of all things. He said, you can always go back and finish school, but this is a great opportunity to follow your family's dream. So we were young. He was 25 at the time I was 20. We got married. I was pregnant with my first son and we opened a restaurant. So I never did actually finish beauty school. I'm a beauty school dropout officially. I just jumped into owning my first business. The business is called The Crazy Cowboy. We've been operating there now for 17 years. We actually last year sold that business to my brother. But over the course of those 17 years, we invested all the money that we made selling tacos into real estate, You know, kind of following my parents' footsteps. So now we own 64 rental units. We also decided to open another restaurant and banquet facility about 10 years ago. And that's where I really got the experience with planning celebrations, whether those be weddings, even funerals, baptisms, what have you. We had this um, banquet facility. And so I had, you know, firsthand knowledge as far as organizing those events. And then just about six years into owning that business, I had the idea for what now is me by the, you know, 
So my husband, like I said, born and raised in Mexico, and we've actually incorporated the Hispanic culture and traditions, you know, into our everyday life. We now have five children and we speak Spanish at home and there's always a great fiesta in the Gama's house. But I was shocked to find that families, whether it be planning a wedding or a quinceanera, you know, when they become, you know, it's a 15 year old, you know, coming of age celebration. I was shocked to find that families within their culture were still planning offline. Like I was helping my niece plan her quinceanera and I was shocked that you had to use word of mouth to find a mariachi band or a bakery that made the traditional pastel de tres leches. Same thing when it came to the traditional components. So there's in every Hispanic celebration, there's these traditional goods that you need. And I realized that you had to find someone, whether it be in a big city or your friends and family outside of the country to send you those products. And then when it came to padrinos, padrino, the padrino tradition is amazingly beautiful piece of the Hispanic culture. For those of you that are listening, padrino tradition, actually the word padrino means godfather or sponsor. And it's typically friends and family that help pay for your party. So we had padrinos like in our wedding, we had padrinos for the cake. Our aunts and uncles would reach out and pay for things like the venue, the band, you name it. But it was like this handwritten list of who was going to pay for what. A lot of people outside of the culture think of it like crowdfunding, but it's really more like a registry. But it was all done offline. And so at that time, I guess it was like in 2016, you know, I had that light bulb idea for what is now Mi Padrino, you know, a place where you could come and plan your traditional celebration from beginning to end. So we invested the first funds into the company. At the time, I had only we only had four children, and you know, right after we put in every penny that we had, I actually um, found out I was pregnant with my daughter Lucy. And honestly, I thought my world was over. I thought I, I'm jumping into this tech startup. I have no, I'm a non-technical founder. I have no idea really what I'm doing. I just had this idea. Now I'm going to have to pitch to investors. What I've heard is that they're old white men and they're not going to appreciate me being pregnant um, in the Midwest pitching a Hispanic party platform, basically. But, you know, I did it. I had I have no shame in my game. I went around like a proud peacock with my big pregnant belly. Did find out that there's a lot of old white men that don't appreciate a baby bump. All right. So Kim's feeling like an outsider on a lot of levels. So let's kind of break it down. On the first level, there's being pregnant and a, a female founder and a mother. So what did she do about that? When I was pregnant with my daughter and realizing that I wasn't being, I wasn't going to be able to close investment the traditional way, looked to the web, literally researched woman-focused funds, women-founder funds. And so I actually was picked two weeks after I had my daughter, Lucy. I flew out because I was picked to present at an event in upstate New York. And it was focused on female founders. The fund is called Chloe Capital. I thought, gosh, we were almost out of money by, at that point. And so I took my mom and my newborn baby, flew out to New York. And we only had $6,000 in the bank at the time. And I thought, this is either we're going to make it or break it. I'm going to get the funds and come home and be able to fund the company another day. If not, it was a good run. So I went out there and pitched. There was five other companies that were presenting that day. And it was crazy. There was these companies that they were doing facial recognition technology. This other was this heartbeat monitor that, you know, you didn't actually have to even touch the child. And I'm sitting there with this party planning app thinking, there's no way in hell, I am going to win the $50,000 investment at this competition. And so I, my mom had texted me and she said, Kim, the baby's crying. You know, I think she wants to eat. And I'm, you know, I, I try to be a nursing mom. I try to do my part, you know, as a mom. And so I said, you know, mom, there's no way I'm going to win this. Just meet me here. I'll we'll sit in the back. You know, I'll just nurse the baby there. 
So, you know, we hide in the back and they're like, and the winner is Kim Gomez from Mi Padrino. And I'm sitting there with the boob out. I mean, literally everybody whips around and I'm like, holy shit, how is this? <laughs> how is this happening? Like, I'm so embarrassed. You should have seen my face bright red. But I was in a room of like what you were saying before, like my people, you know, like these women were like, this is what this is about. You can come and win pitch competitions, nursing a baby. And at the time I wanted to just crawl in a hole and die. But now I look back and it's like, so I, I never wanted to sacrifice being a mother for being an entrepreneur or vice versa. And so, you know, we've just made it work. If you're listening and you're a female founder, like you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. One really important takeaway from that story is that not all investors are the same. Later this season, we're gonna have an episode on finding the right investors for your company. And what you should know is that even if most investors or customers aren't into what makes you different, it doesn't mean nobody is. You can keep looking. Next, I wanna go back to another reason that Kim felt like an outsider, and that's because she was focused on a market, the Hispanic events market, that almost nobody she was talking to really understood. You know, I realized I was pitching a company, you know, in the Hispanic market and I'm in the Midwest. So, you know, the investors that I'm pitching to didn't even, they've never even heard of a quinceanera, let alone seen one or been to one. And so, you know, this last year I said, you know, I need to be able to pitch to funds that are, you know, in Texas or in California. And so I applied to pitch anywhere that would hear me present. And it's been great because, you know, it's, it's the same old white guy everywhere you go, but at least they've seen a quinceanera or heard of it, or they have friends and family that they're, you know, they've participated in one. I've definitely tried to use that to my advantage. Also, I mean, there's no one really, especially in the Hispanic space that's innovating. And so it's been a great pitch to tell. I mean, they say, oh, you know, how big could the market really be? You know, and when there's over 500,000 quinceaneras and 700,000 Hispanic weddings celebrated in the U.S. every year, that's a huge market. It's a multi-billion dollar opportunity that no one's paying attention to because the investors, again, are just old white men, which again, I love my old white guys. I mean, I'm a white girl. So, but it's just like, there's this, these opportunities that I guess the traditional investor and the quote unquote traditional entrepreneur just don't see. And there's pockets of these kind of all over, not just in the Hispanic space, but it doesn't matter really who you are or where, you, where you've come from. I'm sure there's a problem that you can create a solution for, but you just have to, have to have the balls enough to go for it. That's one thing as an entrepreneur that I've learned over the years that I don't know if I'm a gambler. I don't know if I was just never taught, you know, a risk like tolerance for my parents because they were crazy entrepreneurs as well, but you just have to kind of go for it because if you don't, then it's just your idea. There's been so many times in my life that I've said, oh my gosh, like I came up with that idea and now they're making millions off of it, but I didn't actually make it happen. Now I know, like, especially in the, this tech startup space that, man, it's a... 24 hour a day, seven days a week job, but I love it. It's thrilling. You know, when we first launched that first year in 2017, we launched the summer of that year and we had a 600 user goal for that first year. And if you, you know, I'm going to believe it. We had 50,000 people use me Padrino within those first six months. I mean, it was literally like with the first users, I thought, oh my gosh, there's somebody that I don't know outside of the Gamas family that's using our platform. And then it just turned into one, then a hundred, then a thousand, and then 50,000. And like I said, last year, we had 900,000 people use me, Padrino. We're just this little tech startup. 
based out of Jackson, Michigan, run by a white girl. I mean, it's just, if you can do it, if you can think about it and you are passionate about it, there's, there should be nothing else that holds you back. So here we are today. Mi Padrino has more than a million users. They've raised $2 million, but the fundamentals are really just the same of any other business. They saw a customer problem and they solved it. Kim just did it as an unconventional founder in a market that other people were overlooking. Especially with investors, you know, they say, well, Kim, like what, what, what's your secret sauce? I said, the secret sauce is that I came up with a solution for a problem and there was demand. I didn't invent a problem and then create a solution for it. There was a problem. I came up with a solution and there just so happened to be thousands of people that had that problem. It just so happened to be a demographic that no one is paying attention to, which they should, because it's the fastest growing demographic in America. You know, one of every six adults and one of every four children Latino. Yet again, no one is innovating in this space. And so I didn't try to use it to my advantage. I literally just saw a problem, created a solution. And I wasn't really expecting the demand that we had. I wasn't expecting to grow. I wasn't honestly expecting to raise a lot of money. I thought, you know, we might raise a couple hundred thousand dollars at the time. I thought, what would somebody do with a million dollar investment? And here I am right now raising almost two of two million dollar round because we want to scale. We want to continue to grow fast and grow into Mexico. And, you know, I, I never actually thought of the opportunity in that light before that I was going to use me being a female founder or focused on the Hispanic community. I just knew, I just saw there was an opportunity and didn't let that hold me back. Kim, thanks for sharing your story. I can't wait to see all the incredible things that Mi Padrino does in the years ahead. This was the first of 13 episodes in season two of the Finding Adventure podcast. I want to say thank you to the Center for Academic Innovation at the University of Michigan for funding this season. I also want to say a big thank you to Grammatic for our theme music for season two. Here's one more great Kim Gomez quote before I let you go. I, I, I always say this, and I, it might sound a little ghetto, maybe too many years working in the bar business slinging tacos, but it's like, you know, there's no shame in my game. People have called me a hustler. I don't care. I'm here to win. I didn't sacrifice this time away from my family, my friends, and loved ones for fun, even though it is pretty fun. I'm doing this because, you know, I want to have a successful business at the end. <laughs>